Uh, so you can turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, that is going to be on page 972 in the Black Pew Bible in front of you. Um, is anyone excited about the new year? Anybody? So we got a woo. Some people are excited about the new year. Cool. Um, is anyone just glad that 2023 is over? Okay, a little bit more excitement on that one. Um, and maybe for some of us, it's a little bit of both. Like this year had some good and it had some hard. Uh, and we're just kind of like, yeah, we're excited and we're also a fearful of what's to come or whatever. Um, for some of you, 2023 was a really good year. Everything went well. Uh, and it's fair to say that it may have been one of your best years ever. So you are probably excited about this new year. But you do have that little bit of concern that it might be hard to top 2023. And because everything was so great, right, it's hard to live up to those expectations. Um, and if that's you, man, we are like, man, praise God that you had an awesome year. Like We, we, we want to always celebrate when God um, shows up in those kinds of ways. Um, but I know that not all of you will say that 2023 was your best year ever. Uh, for some of you, last year was hard, or this year was hard. Um, and, and hard might be an understatement, because it was more like your worst year ever. Everything seemed to break or be against you. Uh, and maybe you're honestly a little bit surprised that you're sitting here mostly whole and intact on, on December 31st. Um, but regardless of how this past year was for you, and whether it was really good, really bad, or somewhere in the middle, um, I think we can all agree that a lot has changed in our world um, over the last year, right? Uh, I was just kind of Googling around yesterday, just like, hey, what has changed in the last year? Um, so, I mean, things, you know, very recent things. Um, we have a, um, a very contentious conflict happening in the Middle East right now that was, was not um, perhaps as heated in the beginning part of 2023. Um, we, uh, 2023 is uh, on the books as being one of the hottest years on record, so that's, uh, that's a super fun thing for those of us who live in Texas. Um, we had, um, you know, Hollywood uh, shut down for five months for the writer's strike, which is, uh, you know, if you're a TV person, that, that might have been difficult for you. Uh, no new shows and whatnot like that. Um, we saw the Taylor Swift Eras Tour bring in so much money that this lady was able to pay her roadies bonuses in the six-figure range. That's how much money that, like, that's a massive, like, milestone in popular entertainment. And then, you know, the big one that, that I was following a lot this year was uh, the, the rise of artificial intelligence. Uh, for all you know, this sermon this morning was written by an AI. It wasn't. I could have, though. I know some guys who have done that. Um, now, depending on your personality, um, some of you may love hearing about all the changes, and you thrive on change, right? You grow bored easily, and you're ready for a new challenge or a new adventure. For others, this change completely stresses you out. You feel overwhelmed or even fearful as we move into the unknown of a new year. But whether you love change or hate it, whether you thrive on it or are fearful of it, uh, my goal today is to make one thing Super clear as we're rolling into 2024. In a world where so much is changing at an exponential pace, I want you to know this. I need you to know this. We need you to know this. And it's this the gospel hasn't changed. There, yeah, there it is. 
This is the big idea. This is the whole thing we're going to talk about today. As we're jumping into this new year, um, I guarantee that many more things will change. Some of this will be good, and some of it's going to be awful. But amid all the change and craziness in our world, the gospel remains the same. So as we start this new year, it's important that we begin to wrap our minds around and cling to this incredible truth that the gospel hasn't and will not change. Now, I'm not sure um, what you what comes to mind or what you think about when you hear the word gospel. It is a word that we use quite a bit here at our church, uh, but maybe it's one that we don't necessarily explain a lot or give a lot of detail on all the time. We kind of maybe throw it around a little more loosey-goosey than we should. Um, For some of you, like you hear that word and you might struggle to define it, and that's okay. Uh, We're we're hopefully going to help you with that this morning. Others may be quick to say it's the ABCs of our faith, right? Admit to God that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. Some of us might even say that um, the gospel is the entry point to Christianity. And while in a sense that is true, uh, it doesn't give the full picture because the gospel is way bigger than that. Because the gospel is more like the A to Z of our faith, and we'll unpack that. But as we start this new year, as we end this year, I, I want to challenge us to relook at this incredible, unchanging, beautiful gospel. Not as an abstract concept, but for what it really is. Because as we begin to understand and live out the truth of the gospel, I believe, we believe, we want you to believe and you to be convinced that it will literally change your whole life. It will change your heart, it will change your mind, and it will change your relationships. Because the truth is this. While the gospel doesn't change, the gospel changes everything. So I want to spend just a few minutes this morning unpacking what the gospel is, what it's not, and maybe talk about a little bit what we should do with it. So Galatians chapter 1, just like... And we'll unpack this in a minute. I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of confusion today about what the gospel is, what the true gospel is. Um, and that was, that was the thing that Paul experienced. Paul writes this book um, to the Galatians, a, a church in this area called Galatia, um, to clear up kind of what the gospel is and why it matters. Um, and so we're going to pick it up, Galatians 1, pick it up in verse 1. And this is what it says. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, But through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the key verse. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So at the very, like, the most important thing Paul could say in his letter to the Galatians, he's going to explain the gospel. He's going to tell them, hey, we're going to talk about the the gospel here. And, you know, we talk about the gospel is a word that just actually means good news. And so um, think about the last time you had some good news, right? Maybe you you got a job. Uh, Maybe your kid passed a big test. Maybe you received a really great gift. Whatever your good news was, chances are when you do what most of us do when we get good news. When we get good news, we tend to celebrate it, right? Uh, And that's a a good thing, and that is something that we should do. Um, Your good news may have even um, changed your life at, at some level. 
But as great as your good news might have been, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is infinitely better. Because the good news, the gospel, is the best news ever because it proclaims that the perfect God of the universe not only created you, but loves you. The God who made everything, who flung planets into motion, not only made you, intricately made you, but he also loves you. And even though we have messed up by sinning against him, he hasn't written us off or given up on us. Instead of being done with us, he made a way for us to be right with him. Galatians 1.4 says he actually gave his life for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Through Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sin and spend eternity with God starting right now. Not some future date, but right now. That's the, the big picture of the gospel. It's a 30,000-foot view. So what I want to do uh, is I'm going to let a, a friend of mine um, break it down with a little more uh, nuance to it because uh, the, the, the gospel story is really the whole story of the Bible. And so uh, I've got a video to show you now. I will warn you before warned. Uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, this buddy of mine is a, uh, is a spoken word poet. So it is going to come across as spoken word poetry. Uh, that may not be your jam, and I get that. I totally understand. Um, but I think you will, be, um, you will be encouraged and blessed by hearing this. Let's, uh, let's see if that video will play. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes? God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints as if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. 
an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him, and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins. and I are, are broken sinners, rebels, treasonous, and yet God's love for us was such that he sent himself to pay the debt that you and I could not pay. That is the good news of Jesus, that when we could not do it ourselves, he sent Jesus to do it on our behalf. If you have never in your life chosen to turn from your sin, to do what we just talked about, to believe, to trust that you can't, but God can and did in Jesus, you can do that today. What, a, what better way to walk into 2024 than to put your trust in the one who never changes and the good news that changes everything. Now, for, for many of us, though, we've already made that decision. We've already put our trust in Jesus. And if that's you, man, we celebrate that. We celebrate that every day. But if that is you, I need you to know something. And that is this, that Christians still need the gospel. 
Because the gospel is more than a one-time prayer to be forgiven for our sins and to go to heaven when we die. This is why we say that the gospel changes everything because it changes not just your eternity and not just covering your past sins, but it affects your right now. It's a whole new way to relate to God, to other people, and to the world around us by looking to Jesus and trusting him with our day-to-day lives. Maybe we've asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, but we aren't bringing him into the present reality of Tuesday or Thursday or Friday night. We try to live our lives, navigate them on our own apart from God. We think as, um, as so many young people do about everything, I got this. I remember being that kid. I got this. But we do this with God. God, I've got my life. I've got it. You've saved me and I'm good. But like this work thing, I've got it. My family, I've got it. We act with this this hope that if we can just be good enough, if we can work hard enough or become religious enough, that maybe God will actually really accept us and give us peace. And when we act like this and when we think like this, we're actually buying into what the Bible calls a false gospel. And that's the next thing Paul unpacks in Galatians. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. It's the whole reason he's writing the letter. He says this to them. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul, Paul's statement is, hey, there is no other gospel. There is no other good news because the good news of Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough not only to cover your past sins and your future reality, but also your present life. And we're really good at the past sins and we're really good about the future eternity, but we are kind of not so great at the present life part of it. But what this means is that we don't need to keep trying to earn God's favor as if we're on a never-ending treadmill of good works. Instead, we just need to look to Jesus and the gospel and remember what he did on that cross and why he did it and to remember that because of that and that alone, we are accepted by God not based on our works or anything we bring to the table. You and I are accepted by God based on what Jesus already accomplished for us. Praise be to God. And the beauty of this is it means two things for you. Well, it means a lot of things for you, but it means two things I'm going to point out. One is this. On your worst day, on the worst day you will ever have where you have sinned big against God and you've sinned big against other people, God will not love you any less. What it also means, though, is on the best day where you think you're knocking it out of the park and, man, God must be so pleased with me. God's not going to love you anymore. God's love for you today, however today goes, is at this level. I can't reach high enough to get it where it needs to be, but it's at this level. And tomorrow, good, bad, ugly, whatever, it's at this level. 
and every day for the rest of your life, that, that amount of love is the same because that amount of love was, I'm gonna send my son to die for you. No matter how good your day is, no matter how bad your day is, God's love remains. It's not about your performance or my performance. It's about God's grace and his mercy. That's the good news of the gospel for your present life. It's not just at the start of your relationship with Jesus. It's not just at the start of your journey in this thing that we call Christianity. It's a daily part of it. Now, the problem is, uh, is that we're smart. And so we'd be like, no, I don't believe in any false gospel. I don't, I don't, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not, nobody's hoodwinking me, right? I'm good. Okay, cool. But what gospel do your actions and your thoughts and your say that you believe? Because what I believe is that all of us, without exception, from time to time, buy into some version of some false gospel. We would never say we believe it, but we functionally live that way. Right? Sometimes we buy into a gospel of good works. That if we just work hard, do good, be religious, that God is happy and he will one day accept us and allow us to spend eternity with him in heaven. In this false gospel, God is a taskmaster who we have to keep happy. And the problem with that is, is like if my performance is required to keep God happy, that, that ain't good for me. Sometimes we buy into the happiness gospel that everything in this life is about me and my wants and my needs and my happiness. God is our genie in a bottle who will give us everything we want. The problem with this is uh, when you suffer, when it's hard, it's really hard to explain that here. So maybe something's wrong with you and maybe you should try a little bit harder. And so then you morph into accepting the gospel of good works. I gotta try harder. I gotta be better. I gotta do more. And sometimes, man, we just, we buy the ticket to heaven gospel. As long as we've made a decision to trust Jesus at some point, we don't really need God anymore. We can live however we wanna live because we've got that good fire insurance. I know a lot of people who live that way. There are a lot of false gospels out there. I wanted to hit three that I think are the most common. But the thing is, right, what Paul said is, there is no other gospel. There is no other good news that's going to get you to heaven. There is no other good news that's going to get you into a relationship with Jesus. Part A of the gospel, you can't. Jesus did. You see, you and I will never graduate from the gospel or go deeper than the gospel. Instead, what we need to be doing is preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day. I, I heard this story one time, and for the life of me, I cannot verify that it is 100% accurate. But it sounds like something this guy would, would have said. So it's a story about Martin Luther um, and uh, the reformer. And so he is preaching week in and week out at his church, and he's just preaching the gospel. He's laying it down every Sunday, every Sunday. Just the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And one day, the, some of the church members come to me like, hey, pastor, um, like, when are you going to preach on something else? Right? Like, you hit us with the gospel every week, and that's cool. Like, we, we love that. But like, there's like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Like you could, 
you could go lots of places, right? And the, the implication is like, hey, like, we got this. We know this, right? We're, we're, we're good here. Like, move on. And as the story goes, Martin Luther looks at them and he goes, well, because each day you forget it. Because each Sunday you walk in here like people who don't understand this, like people whose lives have not been changed, like people who are not, are not following and trusting Jesus in the day-to-day. We need to remind ourselves that we don't just need God for one day off in the distant future when we die, but we need him right now. We need the power of that acceptance, the power of that forgiveness, the power of that rescue today and tomorrow and every day that we live. We need to look to Jesus and the power of the gospel to overcome sin and temptation and to fulfill God's purpose for our lives right now. In the times when we feel like we're not good enough or smart enough or spiritual enough, we need to remember that in the gospel, what Jesus says of himself is, I am enough. Jesus is enough to forgive your past sin, to help you navigate your present struggles, and to secure for you a future home in eternity. You see, the gospel hasn't changed because Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is enough. Our job is to live each day like Jesus is enough. Galatians 2.20, if you were to jump forward a chapter in Galatians, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So imagine what would happen if we really began to live this way. By faith that the gospel is real, that the gospel affects my right now, that the gospel changes my right now, that I am accepted, I cannot earn it because Jesus did it. What would life look like? How would our lives change? How would the lives around us change? Well, I think it might look like, for example, when, not if, but when we mess up or sin in some big way against God or others. Instead of making excuses and blaming someone else, we own up to what we've done that we would remember that this sin, this struggle, this massive shortcoming on our part is exactly why Jesus came to die and that his sacrifice covers our worst sins. I tell our students as often as I can uh, that it is impossible to out the grace and death of Jesus. It, you can't do it. Instead of wallowing in shame and in guilt, we would confess our sin thank God for his forgiveness and move forward in his grace. It might look like when we've been wronged by someone else, instead of doing the natural thing of striking back without mercy, we would choose to forgive others. Not because they deserve it, but because we didn't deserve it either. And yet God gave it to us. When, you see, when the gospel of Jesus comes into contact with your daily life, everything changes. It will impact your motivation for attending church, your motivation for reading the Bible, for serving, for giving. When you begin to understand the gospel, you realize that these are not acts we do to earn our way to God or heaven. Right? Like, 
I, I make it a goal every year to, to read through the, the entirety of the Bible. And what's not happening when I read those last verses in Revelation and I close my Bible? God doesn't look at me and like, hey man, let's add some, let's add some marbles into Ryan's jar. He's doing good, right? I'm not doing any of that to earn his favor, to earn his love, to earn any of that. Rather, I look to the cross and I do these things. I read my Bible. I come to church. I worship. I serve. I give. I do all of the above as a response for who God is and what he's done. These acts are a way that we grow closer to him. This is what it means to preach the gospel to yourself and to allow Jesus to live his life through you. So we're going to wrap it up here. I just want to give you two specific habits to take with you into the new year. We're going to talk a lot more about habits starting next week. Again, really encourage you to be here for the start of this new series next week. I think you're going to be blessed. Um, but the first one is this. Um, it's going to sound like dumb, but go with me. Study the gospel. Okay? Study the gospel. There's lots of ways to do it, but the best way is to simply read it. I don't know if you know this, there are four of them in your Bible. The first four books of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Luke, and Gospel of John. Start there. Read it. Read it slowly. Read it quickly. Take notes. Write down questions. Go through it with a friend. Do whatever you need to do to routinely keep the Gospel of Jesus before your eyes, your heart, and your mind. See, it's really hard to know a thing if you're not familiar with a thing. It's really hard to share a thing when you're not familiar with a thing. And that's going to be a problem because the second thing I want to challenge you to do is to share the gospel. This good news was never meant to sit within these walls. This good news was never meant to be for just you and for me. It's meant to go out to the ends of the earth. And we all have a part to play in that. Right, we t I, I try and remind the students of this, and it's worth reminding you. Um, out those doors and to the left, when you walk out of here, like all that out there is mission field. A buddy of mine's church, the sign leaving every parking lot of his church, on the back of each sign, because it's like, hey, parking lot this way. On the back when you're leaving, it says, you're entering your mission field. Right? Because... Um, on Tuesday, when we all go back to work, I'm coming here. I'm fairly confident that the people I work with believe the gospel, right? But you're going to go back to places where you know they don't. You're going to go back to homes where you know they don't. You're going to go to HEB today where you know they don't, right? It was never meant to stay here. It was intended to be disseminated out because... If it's changed everything for you, if you can wrap, grab hold of this and realize, like, it is meant to change everything for me, it can change everything for them too. Right? We don't, we don't tend to keep good news to ourselves. And yet we keep the best news ever to ourselves more times than not. Who do you know that needs to hear the gospel? And are you willing to share it with them? Are you willing to overcome that awkwardness, 
You're willing to overcome maybe the feeling of like, I don't know enough to do this. And have the conversation and just put it out there. Right, a story I love, I think I've, I may have even shared this in a sermon before. Um, there, there, there's a pastor, Matt Chandler, um, who grew up as unbeliever as you could be. And he played football, and one day in the locker room, uh, a buddy of his kind of like walks up behind him. He's like, hey man, um, I need to tell you, I need to share the gospel with you. When do you want to do that? Like, let's make, like, let's get it on the calendar, right? And like, most of us are going to be like in the corner, like, I can't go up to them and talk about the gospel. And this dude is just like, hey, we're doing this. Like, I'm going to give you the courtesy of like, when you want it to happen. Right? But like, can we overcome that for, a, for an instant? Because it's so good and it's so worthwhile and because it literally will change everything. It will change your family. It will change your life. It will change your relationship. It will change the way you work. It will change all of that. And it will change all of that for them if we are willing to share it, if we are willing to leave this place and engage with the world with it. Look, I know uh, you may feel overwhelmed about the pace of change in our world or in your life. But in a world where so much is changing and so much will continue to change, I just want you to remember this. The gospel hasn't changed. Jesus has not changed. We may be starting a new year tomorrow, but the same gospel and that same good news is going to be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day. There's only one true gospel, and it's for both believers and non-believers and this gospel, if we will engage with it correctly, will change everything for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your willingness to put your perfection in as the payment for our sin and for our rebellion. Lord, we admit today that we can't. We can't fix us. We can't make ourselves right. We can't earn our way to you. And so may today humbly submit to the fact that you can and we can't. God, may the gospel, may the good news, may that acceptance that we have through what Jesus did, may that affect lunch today. May it affect our New Year's Eve celebrations tonight. May it affect the days we go back to work in the next week. The good news of what Jesus did on the cross, Lord, it changes everything. Lord, change everything in us. Let us start to unpack and lean into this, not just as a thing for the future, but as a thing for right now. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.